Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Welcome back, Lab Code Nation, to another episode of the podcast. And today, I'm just going to come right out and tell you why I I took on this guest. Uh, as you can as you can guess, I, I get a lot of requests to be a guest on our podcast. Uh, and this particular guest struck me, and and here's why: she had a, a very good one sheeter and a good good resume and good history. She's very successful in real estate, very successful investor. She's going to have a ton to share with all of you. But what caught me was doing deals on a yacht in Croatia or the snow in France. It can be done. (laughs) I didn't tell her that that was one of the things that caught my eye. And I thought, you know what? That's cool. I want to talk to her because you know what? So many of us realtors spend so much time working our lives away and we need to figure out how to get out of the business and be able to operate from wherever And our guest today, her name is Alicia Jarrett. She's coming to us from Melbourne, Australia, currently, evidently the best city in Australia. I don't know if anybody will will argue that, but correct. she will. Welcome to the show, Alicia. It's great to have you. Thanks, Jeff. I had no idea that you were going to open up with the ski slopes and yacht in Croatia, but it is true. And I've got many more tales just like it because uh, Definitely, we're all about lifestyle because we only get one shot at this thing called life, so it better be a good one. <laughs> well, well, so selfishly, I really just want to get invited to vacation with you. I'm just, yeah, I'll throw that out there. But yeah, um... <laughs> yeah, that's what we we know how to to vacay pretty well in in our family. It's uh, we love we live it. life to the full. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so let, obviously, I'm sure our audience probably has not heard of you. You come from the other side of the earth. As I'm interviewing you, it's four o'clock my time. Uh, on one day and it's 9 a.m. the next day. So you're talking to me in the past. I'm talking to you in the future. This is In the future. Yeah. Awesome. So (laughs) tell our audience who you are, where you come from, what, you know, kind of led you to where you are today in business. Yeah, sure. So so first of all, thanks for having me on, Jeff. And for everybody listening, thank you for your time as well. So my, my background, I guess, my partner, Matt, and I, we actually had a couple of properties here in Australia, but Australia is quite limited in what you can do in real estate in terms of the strategies you can do, but also access to information, which is why anybody listening that is US-based, consider yourselves lucky. You are the land of opportunity, but you are also the land of data being available on anything and everything. So when we started to expand our real estate out, we don't have real estate backgrounds, by the way. So I have a corporate background in in leadership, facilitation, executive coaching. I, I had my own you know, training practice for more than a decade. My partner, Matt, has a, a background in technology, um, IT, transition, transformation, automation. So we're like 
corporate world. But I guess we very quickly decided a couple of things a few years ago. We sort of got to that stage that's like, all right, we're about to enter our early 40s. We want to live a life that is one we can look back on and go, wow, that's a life I want to live again. But we can't do that when we're tied to a job. We can't do that when we're tied to exchanging our time for money for other people all the time. And we knew that there was opportunities in real estate because we had some real estate here, but we also knew that the real estate opportunity in Australia was limited. And I can, I'm happy to go into those reasons, but we started to look afar and we, we went to a couple of different, I guess, information sessions uh, online and also in person just to, to check out different markets and what people were doing. And we came across the US and this was uh, this was five years ago, Jeff, right when people were doing a lot of fixing and flipping where HGTV and Chip and Joanna Gaines made it very sexy for everyone to want to get into houses. And we thought, well, we can do that. So we actually started by fixing and flipping a couple of houses in Florida and loved it. We absolutely we did great on quite a few deals and found it very easy. But then the market changed. Within a, a space of a couple of months, we really started to see that getting an off-market property became very difficult because everybody wanted to fix and flip houses. And also keeping contractors became very difficult because there were so many people doing fix and flips that keeping a team in place and having that all happen from the other side of the world was starting to prove pretty challenging. So the last property that we did, Jeff, nearly broke us. We, we basically broke even, but it took twice as long and there was twice as much stress involved. So Matt and I sat back and thought, okay, well, what other asset class is there? Because our main goal all along, Jeff, our main goal has been as long as we have a laptop and a phone, we should be able to operate this business from anywhere in the world. And that is still our goal. And we said, so maybe this is still our goal to do real estate in the US, but maybe houses isn't our asset class. So what else can we do? And we actually started looking into land. So we've now had a wholesaling uh, land business where we, we buy and hold, we subdivide, we do seller financing, we fix, and, we fix and flip. And what I mean by that is we get the land, we fix problems if there's probates, liens, taxes, um, anything to do with the property to get clear title and then we resell it again. So we got into land about four and a half years ago and we haven't looked back, Jeff. We've now got, because we can do deals from all over the world, we've now got a full-time team of three customer service people that manage our land business. So I hardly ever speak to a buyer or a seller anymore. Our land business just ticks over. I'm basically managing the business speaking with our title companies, speaking with our realtors who are on our team. There are boots on the ground over there. And, and that business is going super well. We're, we're absolutely loving it. And in addition to that, I guess because we are on the other side of the world, we really needed to think smarter about how we work less in our business and more on our business. And that led us to really think about our acquisitions model and how we acquire different properties and the different marketing that we do for that. And we built out our own system to be able to do that quite seamlessly. And that, without realizing it, became its own business. So our second business is called Supercharged Offers, and it's a real estate specific marketing business. So we've now got a team of nine in there as well. And our third business, Jeff, now in the States is all about data because data drives everything. So here we are five years on. We've got three awesome businesses, absolutely loving all the opportunities that we've had that the U.S. has been able to provide us. And apart from COVID, 
um, we're still living the life of having a laptop and a phone and doing business anywhere. I love it. I love it. And and I know Australia has had its own set of rules as it relates to COVID. <laughs> so I imagine, you know, you've probably not been on a yacht in Croatia or the ski hills of France. Uh, no, we haven't. But as soon as we can get on a plane and travel again with ease, because we can get on planes and travel at the moment, but it's it's too challenging when the country can literally lock its borders down and you're locked out. So we're like, We'll just wait for the world to go back to some kind of normal, but we have got some trips planned here in Australia and we can still travel locally. So we might end up on the ski fields in New South Wales or we might end up in a winery, um, which we did a few weeks ago. We took a weekend off and went to a wine region and still took our phones and our laptops. So if anything urgent happened, we could jump on. But yeah, it's all about balance in life these days. And I think the older we're getting, the more that we're starting to realise that we work hard. We really do work hard, but we also want to play hard and enjoy hard, you know, when it comes to vacay. Uh, so we, we dedicate time for that. When I say play hard, it's not mean that we're going out and doing crazy things. Sometimes we do, but, um, but it's really about enjoying the time. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think we probably live very parallel lives, both in business and probably even age as well, if I had to guess, but I, I want to go back before I, I do want to get back to that. Cause I actually think that's a topic that we don't talk about enough, which is, yeah. you know, just that whole concept of how you even really get there. And I have my own take on it, which I'm happy to share, but I, I obviously want to get yours, but I want to go back to the, just because I'm curious and I like to just learn th random things sometimes on these podcasts. And that is, you mentioned that investing in Australia is just not, there's not a lot of opportunity. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Where do I start? Okay, so I actually went to an auction for a property last night. So a one of my family members who lives here in Melbourne, they are currently in another state and had a property that they wanted to go and buy and they couldn't be here. So I was their, um, their proxy to go along an auction for them. This was a house, so we, we live in inner city Melbourne where Matt and I are based. This was an hour away in the outer suburbs. It's a 40-year-old Three bed, two bath house, very nice, simple, but you know, not anything too special. Mm -hmm. 1.35 million we bought it for. Wow. So that's in how, Melbourne, that's how, that's, how real, that's how expensive real estate is there? Yeah. So in Melbourne itself, so Melbourne's a city of four and a half million people. The average, average, and I'm talking average, I'm not talking the rich areas, I'm not talking anything. The average real estate price is 1.2 million just for a house. Vacant land is rare. So when vacant land opens up, so in the outer areas of, of places like Melbourne, there's no vacant land in inner, inner areas. What a lot of people do is they buy an old house, knock it down, and that becomes their vacant land. Yeah. So you, in the US, you can go down a street and there's an infill lot, like every five or six hours, there's another infill lot, there's another infill lot. In Australia, that just doesn't exist. So a lot of people, if they want to live in the nice areas, they've got to buy an old property, knock it down and build something new. So that doubles their cost. So when land becomes released, so they do like land releases here where there might be farmland like an hour outside of the city and all of a sudden that farmer will decide, I'm done, I'll sell this to a developer and they can subdivide it. People literally camp in tents for days to buy a property. And I, um, I recently, a couple of years ago, I bought a piece of land. I didn't have to camp overnight because I had an insider that was willing to help me out. But I bought a piece of property and I bought the land 
very basic um, piece of land that you could build a three bed, two bath on with like, no backyard. Like a quarter acre, a third of an acre, maybe. L less than that, yeah. Uh, it would. It was um, uh, zero point one five. Not big, small. And we squished a house on there, and the houses are right next to each other. Um, and uh, I paid three hundred and twenty thousand just for that piece of land. And then I had to pay to build a house on it, which was another 200000 And altogether, I then sold it later and made about $100,000 profit. But here's the thing. So why I'm talking all these numbers is the point of entry into the market here is massive. No matter what strategy you're doing, to buy a property, you need a lot of money. To then develop that property, you need a lot of money because the cost of contractors is about 10 times what it is in the States. Uh, and I literally mean that. Um, contracting over here is very governed and unionized. So whereas in the States, we could just put an ad on Craigslist and get a contractor in for 10 bucks an hour to come and do some stuff for us. You can't really do that here. So the cost of entry in the market is limited. When you buy properties, you have to pay stamp duty on properties, which can be up to 30% of the property value. It's just a tax that the government has. But the last thing that makes it extremely difficult, Jeff, is the access to data. So I can't go in Australia to go and download a list from a data place um, and say, hey, I want to know all of these properties in all of these areas, all of the owner attributes, who's behind on their taxes, who's got liens on their property, what improvements have been made, what did they buy it for, when did they buy it for, who's their mortgage with, is their mortgage inverted? I can't find out any of that because the privacy laws in this country are pretty much on lockdown. In the US, I can find all of that out in about two minutes. <laughs> so the ability to do business is very limited here. Most of the, the culture in Australia is to liaise direct through a realtor. Everything is done through the real estate industry and the real estate industry is very heavily, heavily governed. So you don't see a lot of private investors over here doing things off market. It's just, it's just not really a, a done thing. And it's because of those limitations. In the wow. US, we can do all of that. It's truly the land of the free then. Wow, that's It uh, is. That's no why I say. But I often say when I'm on podcasts, if, if you're listening and you're in the US and you think doing business is difficult, it ain't. You got the life of freedom over there when it comes to what you can get access to and how you can do business. That's that's crazy. And and Australia is considered first world country, right? I mean, there's nothing, not a whole lot different. Uh, clearly, now, now, but I want to ask you this. So 1.2 million average price in Melbourne. What 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 is the average income? Yeah, <laughs> this is the other thing as well. So I'd say average income um, in Australia, average, don't quote me on this, but average would be somewhere between 80 to 100,000 a year for the average. Um, you know, we, we do, we are a high income earning country. So a lot of professionals that are in, you know, high professional roles, it'd be in the hundreds of thousands. But for, you know, the average, well, we do have minimum wage in this country, but it is very different to the US. So you can be working in a restaurant and still be getting 60 or $70,000 a year because you've got a minimum wage that's guaranteed. Wow. But with that in mind, over here, most people are spending on average about 10 times their income on what a house is or more. Um, you know, I've got friends that have bought houses in the millions that they're going to be paying it off for 35 years. And that's just how things are. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Yeah, so, I don't know what the, no. what the metric is, but maybe three to five tops. Yeah, it's 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 way, way out of kilter over here. And the other thing over here is there's a very different rental market. So 
a strategy that a lot of investors use in Australia without going off track with, with this too much. No, but this a lot is great. Of people this is will, fun. This is fun. A lot of people will buy properties. So we, we rent because we can afford to rent a property. So the, the property that we live in is a beautiful apartment in inner city Melbourne. It's three bed, two bath. It's got a gorgeous view. It's worth a couple of million dollars. We can afford to rent it, but we might not be afford to buy it. And the reason we can afford to rent it is the rents are very different in comparison to property values because a lot of the owners of the more expensive properties will offset their losses. So our owner would need to make up a difference every month on what we're paying him versus what he owes. And they offset against their higher incomes and that lowers their tax brackets. Mm. So a lot of people use what's called a negative gearing strategy with property to offset high income earners. Interesting. I mean, but they're still, yeah. losing, they're still losing money. They are. What, what, they're, what they're probably getting is capital appreciation over time because property in, the, in this country has never really gone backwards. Really? <laughs> We're waiting for the bubble, but I don't think it's ever going to come. <laughs> so, so like, yeah, like we had it in 07, 08, you know, that was the biggest, that was a really big one, but. Didn't uh, really impact us. So when you, let me just ask you this. So like, let's say go back 10 years, 2011, what yep. was the same three bed, two bath worth then? I'd probably say it was only, um, again, don't quote me on this side. I'd need to do some research and look it up, but property prices haven't changed that much. So we've probably noticed, you know, ones like the, bought, the one I bought yesterday for when I was the proxy, um, that probably a couple of years ago would have been, you know, 900,000. Wow. So it's gone up a couple of hundred thousand, but it's, it's because supply and demand is really everybody's buying properties. No one in Australia has been able to vacay for more than two years. So all these rich people that would normally go and spend six months in Europe and do all these different things, they got cash to spend. So they're buying up properties left, right and center. And it's really driven up the average prices over the last year. Wow. I imagine home renovations are also very popular, right? have been. Huge. Yeah. Same, yeah. same here. Interesting. That's, that's really fascinating. And, and, you know, again, we get into this and I, I told you, and I tell everybody this, it's like, I don't know where this conversations are going to go. Yeah. Um, and I it love doesn't that. always <laughs> have to just be about teaching something. Sometimes just telling stories and learning about other cultures to me is interesting. Maybe I'm the only one interested, but there, hopefully one listener will appreciate it. <laughs> um, I love it. I, I think that's really, really fascinating. And, and it, and it, cause I think some people will hear that and be like, Ooh, I'm moving to Melbourne because I can make a hundred grand in an entry level position. Well, it's all relative. And it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, I live in the Midwest and, you know, people will be like, I'm moving to, you know, XYZ city LA because I can make more money. And I'll be like, yeah. And the property is going to cost you, you know, X 10 X. Exactly. You know? It's like, exactly. And, and let me living. just say yeah. with that one that I did where I made a hundred grand, uh, it took seven years because I bought it in farmland that hadn't even been developed. They were still subdividing it. So roads needed to go in infrastructure needed to go in. Wow. They were building like, 5,000 houses out there. Yeah. So these projects don't happen overnight, but you, you lock in a price, you lock in the contract and then you wait. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and how it works. Had, if you had carry cost on that, it probably would have, it would have really impacted your property. Yeah. If, if no, any, no, really. no carrying costs, which is yeah. good, but uh, it's like, you know, the, these things, you've got to all put it in, into perspective. I think people get too jazzed by, wow, that's awesome. And then they, you peel back the layers and go, well, there's work involved. There's time involved. There's different things you've got to consider. And, and that all weighs it up. So in the U S you know, we we've done six figure deals that only took a couple of months. Yeah. So yeah. Different. I tell you what, this, this <laughs> podcast, if nothing else, this is one of those, this is one of those uh, testimonies where it might make you as an American listener realize 
huh, I actually have it pretty damn good here. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And if I can do this from the other side of the world, then don't complain about doing real estate from a different state because you can do it. <laughs> well, so let's talk about, you know, obviously there's that. And and you're not the first guest that's talked about that. In fact, there's a lot of real estate investors that especially in some of the higher market areas, the San Diego's or the Colorado or New York, and they all infiltrate Midwestern cities because you can buy homes for a hundred grand or less in some cases. Mm. Now, granted, they're not in great areas, but what would you say? And, and I do, before I forget, I do want to get back to it's a, at some point, but we'll, we'll do that later uh, to just the whole concept of being on the business, not in the business. Yeah. Uh, but before we get there, let, let's talk about the, the investing from afar. So, you know, obviously you're on the other side of the earth. So a lot different than San Diego to St. Louis, for example, but you know, what is it, you know, so take us through those steps. So if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, all right, I live in a market that there's just not a lot of opportunity for whatever reason, maybe it's rural, maybe it's a vacation, you know, maybe it's overpriced. Yep. So, but I want to invest, but I need to obviously go where there's opportunity. Where do you start the process? How do you, how, yeah. where do you go? Yep. Okay. So here's the thing, Jeff. Um, here's the the million dollar answer to that. It's no different to if we were in the States or out of the States. The only difference is how we, we've structured our business to be able to do real estate elsewhere. So the same things apply. We still do our research on growth markets. Where, where's the buying and selling happening? What's your days on market for the asset class that we're in? Is there enough supply and demand for us to do deals in that area? What's the infrastructure in the area? Is the local county investing in, in schools and roads and, and you know communities? What's the local job rate like, crime rate like? like? What are all these things? We still do all of that to decide where we're going to go and invest. We still run the numbers. And then it's a case of you know downloading our data, getting our marketing strategy put together, mailing to that area, doing follow-ups and online retargeting with that area. So we do a combination of online and offline marketing together to our target audience getting a deal under contract, finding a, an, an end user for that deal. In the middle of that, we're working with our sellers to fix any problems on the property that they just simply don't know where to start with or where, you know, for all your realtors out there listening, I love you to bits. You are absolutely wonderful, but let's face it, realtors don't want to deal with the $10,000, $20,000 piece of land that's got a probate on it. Mm. They just don't. Right. Whereas we'll go and fix that and still make it a win for the seller and a win for us. So we're doing all of those things and then we're finding an end user for the, the property. So we're marketing it out to builders, developers, um, real estate investors, land bankers, anybody who wants to build a house on it. Even if it's commercial land, you want to put a business on it. And we've got all our pipeline management set up to be able to do all of that. So we're not actually running our business any different to anybody in the US. The only things that are slightly different is we are technically classed as an alien and some people listening might laugh at that because as you can see, Jeff, I'm not green. I don't have tentacles out everywhere, but the US classes us as an alien, which means we're not a citizen, which means we don't have a social security number. Instead, we have an ITIN, an individual tax identification number. That also limits business-wise some of the things we can do about setting up documents, accounts, like we can't L use lending. a mobile Lending's notary. Lending, harder. all mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, we, we've got private money lenders that we've worked with, but banks won't look at us. Yeah. Even though we've had a corporation and five LLCs there for more than five years, they're like, nope, 
you don't exist. Yeah. So working around that, because there's always a way to work around stuff. I think it's the way that you look at a problem and then go, okay, if we can't do that, what can we do? So doing things like that, doing things like getting documents signed. So we have a an awesome realtor on our team that signs all of our documents for us. We just set him up under a corporate resolution. So we don't have to sign stuff here and FedEx it. So we've got all these things in place and our boots on the ground people to help us out. But other than that, the business is essentially no different. That's that's fascinating. So so let's and that was that was kind of like a, a quick thirty thousand foot view, start to finish. Yeah. Let's let's assume here they've never done it before. The, is is the first step finding the realtor in the market, or is it? Are you doing your own research on property availability? Are there certain steps like? Yeah. Give give me like like a little bit more in depth. About sure. how someone, let's just say they were just saying, listen, I, I know uh, I've been hearing people say I need to be investing in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, but I don't know where the hell to start and I'm 2,000 miles away. Yep. Yep. Um, so you've actually answered the question there. First thing we ever did was we jumped on the phone to some local realtors. We knew that we wanted to, so we mainly focus in Florida. Florida just keeps on giving and I love Florida. <laughs> but we started in Florida and we just jumped on the phone. We did a little bit of research ourselves first around um, demographic information, city size, uh, amount of properties bought and sold in, in a time frame period, days on market. So we did some basic research on some cities, not Miami. Stay out of the big cities. They're way too competitive. This is for us doing land, by the way. So for those listening, our asset class is vacant land. So we did some basic research and then we, in that same week, we got on the phone with some uh, local realtors and just said, hey, we're overseas. We're going to be investing um, inland in your areas. We just want to know, well, we've done some research, but what are you noticing? What are some of the counties or specific zip codes in counties where supply is low and demand is high? Or where supply is high and you're starting to see an increase in demand that now's the time to get in. So tell us what you're noticing. Um, and P.S., in exchange for this information, if we get any really awesome deals and we want them on the MLS, we're going to come back to you. So I think stage one, find those partnerships. We've still got realtors in our team, one of them in particular, Michael Cassidy, uh, who works for Keller Williams in Jacksonville, Florida, call out to Michael. He's been on our team since day one. Wow. We put out a phone call to him and he was one of the first realtors to call us back that same day. And he said, I'm all ears. What have you got? So our first few houses that we did was with Michael. We've done land. We've done JVs with Michael. He's amazing. So find those partnerships and don't necessarily look at the realtor as just a source of information because that's all take. It's like, what can you give? What can you put into that partnership that makes it worth their while to speak to you? And so we've now got a few of those people that give us those insights. Um, and those insights are worth gold. The minute you've got a realtor on the other end of the line that says, hey, I know in Orlando that these particular counties around Orlando, currently there's lots of people wanting to build there. There's a few developers in there. So give these developers a call and find out what kind of land they're looking for. Um, because that becomes the market that you go and get land for because you've already got an end buyer. So do all of those things, do your research, create your numbers, and then let the data tell you the story. And what I mean by that, Jeff, is two things. Download your data to make sure that based upon the criteria. So let's say we were going for infill lots of quarter of an acre up to 10 acres. Like we're happy to look 
10, 15 miles out of the city at some acreage. Lots of acreage is selling at the moment, by the way. So that's our criteria. And we want people that have owned property for more than 10 years, still sitting in the family, no one's done anything. So we pull that data and we wanna make sure that there's enough data for us to do deals. Because if we pull that data and there's only, let's just say 520 people that, or 520 properties that meet that, that's not enough to go and do marketing and retargeting and, you know, conversion rates when you're trying to get off market is about, you know, every thousand that you reach out to, you might get one property back. If you really know what you're doing and you've got your blind offer strategy down pat, we get one contract for every 500 that we send out. But to test a market, you know, you got to know your numbers. Then it's about the marketing, get the marketing out, respond to people in a good time, build relationships. I always say, Jeff, we're not in the the business of real estate, we're actually in the business of relationships. So I've done a lot of training with my team on how to build relationships with our sellers and our buyers, because it's about trust, particularly for landowners who have been sitting on a property for a long time. Maybe they've tried to sell it on the MLS. They've worked with different brokers and realtors. Nothing's happened. It's sat there for months because it's got problems. So they're dubious. They're like, I need someone that I know is going to buy my property, help me with these problems and take this off my hands. So then it becomes about trust. So, and so okay. we, but let me ask you though. So, so you, when you, when you use that description on somebody, how, how are you, what is the best way to find that seller? Because this is not data. always MLS, you know, data, right? No. So where, where is the best place to find something like this? Clearly you have this expertise. Clearly you just said there's a lot of opportunity right now. So somebody listening is probably going to be like, Hmm, I think I'm going to go after this. Where would they find that? <laughs> So two places they can find it. One, if they just Google um, real estate data, um, how do I buy a list? There's list houses out there all around. There's like, you know, Agent Pro 24-7, Data Tree. There's all of those companies out there. However, they can contact me. We've got our own marketing company and we've got our own database within that marketing company that has more than 165 million properties and all of the owner attributes in it. So we're basically like a data wholesaler, but we don't want to sell data. Because what I've also noticed, Jeff, and your question is a really interesting one. A lot of people will go and download data, but then they don't know how to interpret the data. They don't know, what am I looking for? What's the stuff in here? Like, how do I cleanse this? How do I get this ready? And we've got a team that has the expertise to be able to, to do that. So I guess downloading data is one thing, but then reviewing that data to know where to go. So there's two things with that. The first is the data point that you want to be looking for is a distressed property, right? And that for any asset class, you will know that that will often be that it's been sitting there for X amount of years. It's got no improvements. It's maybe it's behind on taxes. Maybe it's sitting in a trust that nobody's done anything with it, which often is like intergenerational land if it's in a family trust or a living trust. So it's looking for all of those clues. But the thing is, you're never going to really find out until you get on the phone with sellers. Until they start ringing and they say, yeah, I've got this property. I had it on the MLS. Nothing happened. And it's because I've got all these problems with it and I don't know where to start. Can you help me? And the answer is yes, we can. When you say problems. I just sounded like Barack Obama then, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you say problems with land, what kind of things are you running into? Yeah, so the typical things that sellers have is probates that need to be done. So intergenerational land that's been handed down and the wills all been processed, but the probate hasn't been processed. So establishing the real owner, title issues, so breaking chain of title. 
where the, because we offer title insurance with all of our buyers. So we go back and have a look. Is there a break in chain of title here anywhere? Liens and taxes. So if there's back taxes and the properties, like, you know, if it's over five years and those taxes are piling up, they're potentially going to lose their property in a tax sale. So we'll help get rid of that. If the property's worth it, we can help them out, make sure that that doesn't happen. Liens on the property. We can negotiate with the county on, hey, we're going to buy this. So we'll pay off these liens, but can you meet us in the middle? Again, most landowners, they don't even want to get on the phone and deal with this stuff with the county or they don't even know what to ask. Encroachment issues, dealing with the neighbours, uh, survey issues, wetland issues, knowing what delineation reports look like, knowing how to mitigate wetlands, all of that kind of stuff, your typical landowner will not know where to start. And I don't blame them for that because the only reason we know about this is because we do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it sounds like a pain in the ass. And I think, I think a lot of realtors and investors probably think the same thing. They're like, uh, yeah, right. And it is and, right. I mean, that's the, where the, that's where the gold is too, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that, that's what I was going to say was that, that, that then spells opportunity because we're all as humans, I think not everyone, but a lot of people that you're always looking for the low hanging fruit. It's like, what's the easiest yeah. path? What's the least path of resistance, those kind of things. And those aren't the path to riches. Those aren't the path to success. You have to be uncomfortable. And this is your uncomfortable, which is all of this mess that you have to siphon through and dig through and figure out, okay, how do we, how do we clean out of this mess? Yeah. But, that's, but that's also the reason why that seller is probably in that position in the first place, because yeah, they had the exactly. same mindset. Exactly. And by the way, once you've done these things once or twice, they're no longer uncomfortable. You just write a process for it and let your team run with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So, uh, is there any specific markets that you, you mentioned Florida because that is the state of the free um, where they, you know, like COVID doesn't exist and things like that. Um, <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, I've got a bunch of friends in Florida and, and, and I, I love, I love them and I love the state. It's, it's fascinating, but is there anything, so Florida is the obvious one. Are there any other States where you, where you've put more effort or you see more opportunity? So for us personally, in our land business, we've never gone out of Florida and it's mainly because we haven't had to. We market to every county in Florida and we always get deals. So because we've got our boots on the ground there and our team in place, like our, our probate attorney, our real estate attorney, our, our title companies in different locations, we haven't needed to go elsewhere. But with our marketing company, we've got a lot of customers that do self-storage, single family, land, multifamily, mobile home parks. They do all different asset classes. So we get to see what they're doing. So in the land space, there's a lot of people doing deals in the hotspots at the moment, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas. Yeah, they're, they're the hot ones. And Florida. Florida's always hot. <laughs> well, you so lots of people doing deals in those areas. But I do think some of those areas are going to start to top out because the sellers are cluing on that it's becoming a seller's market. So they're noticing the activity and wanting to negotiate more or, or get more for their properties now. So you're seeing that shift happen in those areas. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So you, you mentioned that... The, oh, the marketing. That's what I want to ask you. So yep. you, you market for properties. Talk, talk us through that. What does that look like when you say I'm marketing? We all understand marketing to sell a property, maybe marketing to self-promote, but marketing to find a property. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Yep. So marketing, we break up in, in our, as a, a real estate investor, we really break it up into two categories, acquisition, 
and disposition. So acquisition marketing is when we're going out to the owners of properties and saying, hey, Jeff, we can see that you've been sitting on your vacant land for more than a year. You may have some issues with that land, but here's what my team does. We'd love to know if you'd love to sell that land to us. Here's an offer attached um, if we know that area well, or give my team a call. We're more than happy to, to look at the aspects of your property talk with you about what your needs are and let's see, you know, if you're willing to sell it, we'll take it off your hands. That's in a letter. So it's very personal. It's very just to the point. We know you've got land. We found your details on the public records. If you want to sell your land, here's what we do. So we send a letter. We also, in some cases, will do an SMS follow-up. So we, in our marketing system, our acquisitions marketing system, we can tell when our, our sellers have received their letter and their offer and then we can skip trace and send an SMS. For those people listening that are currently freaking out going, SMS, oh, that's dangerous. We're not soliciting to sell anything. That's technically the law around solicitation. You're marketing to someone without their consent to sell. What we are saying on our SMS, Jeff, because marketing is all about the number of touch points you can have to build that relationship. We're saying, hey, Jeff, we can see that USPS has sent our letter to you this week about your vacant land. We'd love to know if you've got any questions about our letter or if you'd like to sell, give us a call. It's very passive. Yeah. We're also at the same time, Jeff, whoever we are mailing to, we're also targeting them online with ads. So we're doing Google ads, Instagram and Facebook ads. So the list, you can find out anything about anyone these days online. Most people have an online thumbprint at some point. Even my parents who are in their late 70s, they've got Google accounts, Facebook accounts, they're on Instagram. Not everybody is, but so we try and find out where do these people live in an online world? And at the same time that we're doing direct mail, we're also pushing ads to them out online. And then if anybody clicks on the ads on their page, on their Facebook, they then go into a retargeting campaign where we're continually pushing ads out to them. So it's a combination from an acquisitions perspective, Jeff, of online and offline working together to create a customer experience. Because these days, we're dealing with sellers who are in their 90s. Um, our youngest seller has been 19. He was at college in California. He inherited a property in Florida, had no idea it was in the family. He found us online through an ad and did everything virtually. So you need to make sure that your marketing system is set up to cater for the young, the old and everything in between. Because it's not about marketing and I want people to, to, to hear this really when they're listening here. Marketing is not about telling people how to do business through how I wanna do business. It's giving people the opportunity to do business with us in the way that they wanna do business. Do they wanna call? Do they wanna email? Do they wanna deal with us virtually? Do they wanna deal with us on snail mail? No, you've gotta be willing to work with your sellers in the way that they want to interact. And that's what acquisitions marketing is all about. That's fascinating. And and your marketing company, Supercharged Offers, that does, what, what does that all do? All of that. Really? Everything I just mentioned, it does all of that and more. <laughs> we uh, we haven't got time to go through all of it, but let me say it, it's it's like a business in a box. We're basically setting up real estate investors. We can also do it for realtors. We can do it for anything to do with real estate where we're setting up your acquisitions, process, systems, marketing, online, offline, everything so that your leads are being nurtured and managed. And as soon as that lead calls you or emails you and says, hey, I'm willing to sell, you take it over from there. And you said, what was the stat? You said one, uh, one in 500? 
Yeah, so for, for people who know their areas really, really well um, and they know what offers they should be sending, conversion rate is about, if you're sending out actual offers, it's about one in one in um, four to 500. So about a 2.25% conversion rate. For people sending out neutral letters, it tends to be about a, a five to an 8% response rate to your neutral letters. And that's just a letter where I say, hey, Jeff, I see you've got land. If you're interested in selling, call me. So the response rate to that tends to be somewhere around the 5% average, but then you've got to run your numbers, send out an offer, and then convert that lead to hopefully a contract. Um, and again, that tends to be about the, the 0.25 to the 1% by that stage because you've already nurtured them. Yeah. So I, I assume that this has nothing to do with necessarily sales conversion and more just about timing. And therefore, that's why the quantity is necessary. And I, and I want to say this too, because as, as a realtor who might be listening to this, you know, a lot of you realtors, you may not be interested in the strategy, but you might have investors that are. And, and that's, that's another way to think about this is like, you've got people that are investing, maybe they're frustrated because there's a lack of investment, the last opportunity right now, and, and, yep. and things are overpriced. Like, imagine the hero that you would be if you told your investor, hey, listen to this podcast, check this out, go to check out Supercharged Offers, go check out actually which platform would you, would you send them to if that was the case for someone? Yeah, so just go to superchargedoffers.com. Um, you can download, we've got a free ebook on there about online and offline marketing working together. We've also got a free uh, business growth plan on there for real estate investors. A lot of real estate investors are great at doing the deal, but they're not so good at writing their business strategy and plan. So we've yeah. put that together on there for them too. Um, or they can just literally get in touch with me direct. So uh, Alicia, which is A-L-I-C-I-A at superchargedoffers.com um, or give my team a call. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the number. So we've just actually changed over the phone number. So let me give that to you as well, Jeff. And you can put this in the, the podcast too. So we're 888-538-5478. Any of those mediums, they can come through to me. Um, and what I do, Jeff, is I actually jump on a call. I, I run sales calls all the time where I'm walking people through our entire system because they're going to go to our website and go, hmm, there's lots on here. Sometimes it's better to just let me walk you through it and show you what we do. And by the way, for any of your realtors listening, I love what you've just said. Imagine the hero you would be if you helped your real estate investors to grow their business. If you refer anybody to us, you also become an ambassador and you get paid. <laughs> so little little bit of cash on the side as well. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> for beyond, just sending an email. <laughs> I was going to say that's that's the bonus. That's the cherry on top because ultimately you want your investor to be happy and successful and more happy and successful, the more deals are going to flow through you, uh, which then, you know, can compound into referral. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yep. it's fascinating. The one thing that I, that I take from this is that as you explained it, it tells me, holy crap, like that would be very challenging to do all of that stuff. And, you know, if I was doing it on my own, it would be really challenging to compete with you. Uh, which is really smart of you guys. You basically said, hey, we we figured this out. Let's yeah. just create a company to help people do this and we'll monetize that while also helping Perfectly people. Perfectly said, Jeff. Yeah, I love Perfectly it. said. I think, you know, one thing I noticed a lot with real estate investing, no matter what asset class people are in, is how much time and effort they're wasting on the things that they're not good at. So if you don't know how to do ads online and how to retarget, don't do it. Get someone else to do it. If you don't know how to download and cleanse your data and, and manage your mailings and track it all, don't do it. Give it to someone else. And we had one of our awesome customers, Seth Taylor. Um, he actually gave me a video testimonial this week, and that was his words. He just said, you know, 
If you're on the fence about getting someone to run your acquisitions marketing for you, get off the fence because this is a business in a box. And he said, now I can just focus on nurturing my leads and speaking with my sellers and my buyers and closing deals because that's what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the time that you would put into it. And that's, and I think that's what a lot of people are probably thinking. What is my ROI? Which is impossible to probably obviously to give a number because it depends on how successful you are with what you end up purchasing. But you're probably not going to have those opportunities if you don't have this quote unquote business in a box. So yeah, that's, that's really, that's really fascinating. So, you know, what, uh, in closing, what's, what's on the horizon for you guys is, is this, is your passion kind of flowing into the marketing piece or will your passion always remain the investor? Like where, where's, where's the future? It's actually in both. So, so we, we never have just one thing going We're we're the kind of couple that always has a couple of different projects on the go. So we're currently investigating doing uh, forced appreciation on some of our properties, which is subdividing them and, uh, and working with the team on that. Um, we're also marketing out to potential properties that we can do forced appreciation on. So again, we're using data to help drive where we're doing that. We're still doing all of our other land deals because we've got an active buyer network that wants deals in certain areas. With the marketing company, I literally had another team member start this week. So we're now a team of 10. We're growing that. We want to actually branch that out into not just real estate investors, but realtors, contractors, roofers, people that do HVAC, because anyone that does anything to do with a property, you have an end user of your services and there's always data that helps you drive that, that business. Um, and we've got all that data. So we want to branch that out into different, not just asset classes, but people and groups. Yeah. Uh, so that's the plan for supercharged offers. And the, the third thing that we're doing as well, Jeff, is um, because we're, we're a data-driven business, we're actually using that data to build out some apps that make it very easy for real estate investors to do some of the functions that they need to do. So I won't say any more on that because there's more coming. <laughs> It's very exciting. So best place to, uh, you, you mentioned the, the email, you mentioned the phone number, you mentioned the website. What's the best place to go learn more? Is it that website? Are you guys on social? Where can they find you? Yep. So they can go to social. So we're on Facebook as well. So just supercharged offers on Facebook or just the website. Here's the thing. I think this is like any business, right? We do so much for our customers that we haven't really focused on our own marketing so much. And the main reason for that, Jeff, is we are very blessed that the majority of customers that we deal with are all referrals because our customers have such a good experience with us that they just refer people on. Yeah. <laughs> so we're now working with, uh, you know, over 50 real estate investors and that's growing every week. So in the new year, we're actually going to be launching some YouTube ads, uh, some Facebook ads where I'm doing some videos and running some online webinars. So watch out for that because there's some new marketing channels that we're opening up for ourselves which is really exciting. Yeah. So, but, but main place to find us is on the website on Facebook or just email me direct. Say the website one more time. Superchargedoffers.com. Awesome. Last question. When it becomes easy to travel again, where is the first place that you want to go? So the first place that we should go is back to the U S to see all of our wonderful friends and business there? partners, Florida, Florida, right? But, but yeah, we've, we've got business partners in Colorado, uh, San Antonio, Texas, and Chicago. So we do need to go there. But uh, and pre-COVID, we were spending about half of the year in the States until COVID hit. So we'd, we'd go over for a few months, we'd come back, yeah. um, but haven't been able to do that. But one place I'm dying to go back to is Italy, because I adore Italy. And I've been dreaming of 
sitting in a piazza, having an afternoon spritzer, um, having a beautiful bowl of pasta and watching the world go by. So I think it might be Italy. <laughs> and cool. then maybe en route to the US. <laughs> what city? What city in Italy? Milan. We love Milan. We've been to Milan a few times, but I, I equally love Spain, which is right next door. Um, and we've now got really good friends that live in Madrid. And I've been to Madrid a few times and it's fabulous. Uh, and we've also got friends that are now living in uh, Thessaloniki in Greece. And, and they're like, come on over. We're, we're really good over here. So Europe is wonderful and I love Europe, but uh, our, our heart's also in the US as well. So we'll have to see if it's maybe is a round the world ticket. <laughs> your heart's in Europe, but your pocketbook is in the US. <laughs> we're all set. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Alicia, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. It's been fascinating. And I'm glad to now finally say, uh, confidently, I have a friend in Melbourne, and uh, you know, if I ever make it over there, you better believe I'm going to be looking. Look me up, Jeff. We've got loads of fabulous places to add here to eat and drink and enjoy life. So, yep, awesome. sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails capture forms and best practices join street text at streettext.com